So another episode of Pod Like a Hole. Here we are. We are getting almost to the very, very end of this little Halo Null run through. I think they're just all called Halos, but we're not on nothing. We're on Null Corporation. But yeah, this is Pod Like a Hole. Um, the comprehensive Nine Inch Nails uh, and Trent Reznor podcast with three uh late 30s white guys talking about all that could have been um (laughs) so quite a picture there so tonight's uh episode we're going to talk about the first of the trilogy eps which didn't actually be a, a trilogy of eps it was two eps and one quote unquote studio album yeah they're eps of course they are, yeah, but I, I mean they're all gonna that that third one is considered their ninth studio album and uh, for I think, Spotify exactly. We'll talk about that in two episodes. Um, so tonight we're gonna tonight uh, we're gonna start with not the actual events. Um, and uh, sorry, dear leader, um, I think it's fair to say like we're gonna review these as their own entities, but I think it's also worth reviewing them as a cohesive piece when we get to the final of the three albums. Yeah, I would agree with that. So initially, we were going to um, release uh, these three individually episodes, but we were going to record all of them. Um, if you can tell by Steve's voice, uh, he probably can only get through one episode tonight. But we're going to, you know, get back on the horse uh, very soon. Um, Stephen, go ahead and give the ladies a little rumble. Uh, hello, this is Kathleen <laughs> Turner. <laughs> I'm getting over a cold. <clears throat> yes, indeed. It doesn't make for great radio, but. Uh... Time waits for no man. Time waits for no man. We are on a strict schedule um, because we want to wrap up uh, this season and uh, potentially get into our next season. Uh, We have not yet announced what we're going to do for our next season. And, of course, uh, as we go into next season, and should there be any Nine Inch Nails releases or news, um, we'll probably do... Uh, come back over to this side. Yeah, yeah, we'll be we'll, we'll be your your regular source for that kind of stuff. Don't you don't you fret. Absolutely. Um, Steve's looking off into the middle distance right now, thinking well, of what... that doesn't that doesn't mean we're gonna you know do a weekly Watchmen podcast, which I actually proposed at one point. He did. So. <laughs> Cooler heads prevailed. Um. So to uh, give you the backdrop, uh, this EP was released at the end of 2016. Um, since that was so near in the future, um, it seems like it could have been a lifetime ago, but, uh, uh, well, two years ago right now feels like two decades with all the stuff that goes on in the world. Doesn't it seem that way? Like I was thinking that, you know, next year being 2020, we still have, you know, one more year of, you know, full on presidential campaigns and just nonsense and just bombardment. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, exhausting. Uh, this is Eric, by the way. Oh, yeah. We didn't introduce myself. <laughs> I'm Mark. Uh, and yeah. uh, go ahead, Eric. And then, yeah, I'm the other one uh, that the doesn't one. sound like uh, Harvey Firestein. Um, <laughs> so uh, we we got a little bit of uh, a little segment, Fan That Feeds. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple uh, listeners that gave us excellent iTunes reviews going by the handles. C.W. Mathis, 815, said some very, very kind words, as did Ruiner Gooner, said some super nice words as well. So I appreciate what you guys are saying. We are certainly 
the definitive Nine Inch Nails podcast, I think. That can be said unequivocally. And then, as well as the other four that came before us. I think, yeah, right now, I think <laughs> we're the only one that's going, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if uh, those want to do, like, a Flintstones meets Jetsons kind of thing, and, uh, you know, we can do, like, one <clears throat> big super Nine Inch Nails, you know, let's... Now... Meeting of the minds. No. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that uh, none of those people... We won't like each other. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. yeah usually... Hey, let me put it this way. Um, I love the Oakland A's, and I like the Athletics Nation page. Um, but last summer, Kyle and I went to an Athletics Nation meetup, and every one of those people I thought were beneath me. Really? <laughs> Kyle, though, fit right in. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, Kyle, well, I already know he's beneath me. But, uh, yeah. Sometimes those online communities should stay online. You betcha. I'm sure we just lost a lot of listeners. Right. <laughs> Say that to previous guest Ed Casey. <laughs> He's the exception, not the rule. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, that's all I have to say about that. Some really nice interactions going on online lately, though. So if you haven't yet, uh, post, you know, post your thoughts on whether we're dead wrong about how to destroy angels or whether I'm dead wrong about uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Go ahead and post that on, uh, on Facebook. Speaking of uh, actually, go ahead, Mark. fan feedback, uh, Eric put him, you know, he wanted to raise that engagement level. <laughs> so he asked uh, you listeners, uh, the five of you that probably to, like put something on the Facebook of what I should do a run through on. Um, those are all really good suggestions. Uh, Godflesh is probably the one that I'm most intrigued about because, um, you know, I've been told for so long that they're such a, you know, influential band. Um, but, uh, I haven't yet. I, I went, I don't think I went off of any of those suggestions. You started with God smack. I started with God smack. <laughs> and then after that, um, Godhead and yeah. then, uh, <laughs> Oh, Godhead. <laughs> Eleanor Rigby. That was a rig hit. They covered Eleanor Rigby and it wasn't a big hit at all. It answers the question of what would happen if Orgy and Marilyn Manson had a child. Well, Marilyn Manson, I think they, they were on his label. So <laughs> they were yeah, the one and only signing. Um, maybe Jack off jail, maybe. Um, but uh, I, I picked Caven. Uh, I have been a little derailed as of late, um, but I think I, I've never actually sat through uh, all of Caven um, with all this ISIS the band talk. Um, I think it would be in my uh, due diligence to to give Caven a, a run through. ISIS and Cayman are from the same family of bands and in each other bands. So, what was the label? It was a Hydra? Hydrahead. Hydrahead, yes. There's Hydrahead, and they were both in, uh, members of both bands were in, and still are in Old Man Gloom. I've always loved that name. That is a good name. Yeah. Cayman, I love that band. So, have fun. What's, uh, what's some highlights to look out for? Uh, on the album Jupiter, um, that's the one I think I've listened to. The, the title track and um, a song called, the, oh God, the Keep Your Eyes on the Road song. That's a good one. Um, uh, Beyond High, or, uh, Until Your Heart Breaks is really good. There's a track on there called Juggernaut. Uh, those two albums, Until Your Heart Stops and Jupiter are back-to-back solid albums. So then they had a major label debut on Columbia, Sony, I think. Uh, it was Tides of Tomorrow? or That's yeah, all right. The title track of that album I like a lot. 
But they definitely tried to uh, be a little bit more radio friendly. Because I think they opened up for Foo Fighters during that period, right? Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about someone from Foo Fighters later. Yeah, they they, they were a a, a hardcore metalcore band. And they they got spacey. And then they they mellowed out a bit and got signed to a major label. And they got really bland. And then they went back to Hydrahead and started releasing loud music again. That was the... Circle of life. Circle of life. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give them, and uh, maybe by the next episode, I will have gone through their catalog. Anything else going on, guys? Um, not a lot of news right now in the Nine Inch Nails world. But I did find an article that says, uh, unfortunately, they didn't post the song. They just talked about it. But somebody that was working in the whole Chinese democracy, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know. Uh, I saw this, yeah. 13 years of doom. Uh, there was a Nine Inch Nails-inspired Elvis Presley cover that Axl Rose played all the instruments on and sang, and sang himself. Uh, Chris Renna uh, corroborated this, but uh, unfortunately, none of us have heard it. So, but it's awesome. Where was this at? It was like on. It, it was. I got the news. I got that on my like my Apple News. You know, if you just follow the topic, really? Nine Inch Nails, it was like the the top on headline in the last two weeks. Yeah. yeah. That huh. producer looks. That producer is pretty funny. So you're just you're you're hearing about something you'd really like to hear, but you can't hear it. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, right there in your wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, do we need to talk a little bit about 2016, or do you want to talk a little bit about the trilogy? Well, well let's. Well, for 2016, uh, I know I try to brush by these now because it was a really fun idea when we first started the podcast and talked about high school. Yeah. And now I'm just like God. As you get older, you're so our, our lives were so dull. In 2016, we all lived near each other, and we uh, we all work. We're gonna die one day, <laughs> and uh, we have kids now, all of us. And uh, we were just about to start a podcast. Yeah, there you go. We were just waiting. Yeah, because I think we started the podcast in October 2017. We right. started the podcast shortly after Ad uh, Violence. Ad Violence. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so this is the right before that we're all waiting in the wings for an opportunity to do something together. The, the, the trilogy was, or the, uh, the, uh, the fellowship was definitely back together, though. Yeah. But, was, was there um, any big political within, news? Within, yeah. within, <laughs> within a, you know, half hour living distance of each other, but we see each other just as much. Not so, totally as true, but I mean, that's why I'm here tonight and I sound like this, is because we got to pick our, our moments when we can all get together. Absolutely, we do it for you, dear <clears throat> listener. Damn the kids and the wives, with the with the banging and the clanging and yeah. the, the yelling and the screaming. Always reminding, Daddy, Daddy, wham, wham. always reminding me <laughs> that they have lives too. It's just terrible. Uh, so yeah, two, 20, don't, don't they? Really, this, this puts food on the table. <laughs> That's right. Yes, <laughs> this is the bacon that we are going to bring home. Um, yes, politically, Mark, I heard your little side comment there. We were probably all about to boil over. Because uh, we just we just enjoyed like two years of the Trump campaign uh, offending all of our sensibilities and what's decent to be a hu- uh, you know a human, and then he became president. So and the whole time we thought, "There's no way this guy pulls yeah, this off." Right? Yeah. Because this album or this EP came out in December, and all of that shitstorm happened in November. Yeah. I mean, like it was it was I was shell shocked. Yeah. I was like a bomb went off. Yeah, I was screaming at the TV that night. Yeah, I yeah, I think I cried, and I, and I think the next day at work, 
it was a teacher work day, and I just think I found a quiet corner, and then the two other, like, super liberal teachers that I work with found me in that corner, and we all com- commiserated for, like, an hour and a half. And then I didn't know him before then, and we became fast friends. <clears throat> I got an email from a coworker that said, Trump is trumping. I'll leave it at that. Mm. So is he, uh, is that pro or con? Or Trump is trumping. Mm. It sounds like... A euphemism for taking a really smelly shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just trumping along. Um, trumping along all these years later. Yep. And most of the pop culture news um, is not even worth mentioning. I'm sure Mark would be interested to know that Beyonce turned lemons into lemonade. That was a pretty good little thing. Right. Mark Romanic was involved with that little video on HBO. Right. Um, now, look. I'm not a huge Beyonce fan. That's, no, I think that's, I dispute that. Yes, you are. <laughs> I think she's great, yeah. but I'm not like I don't own a single one of her records. Okay. Um, I think that her presence is great. She has a great presence. <laughs> I think I I think that she brings something to the pop culture fabric. Sure. Um, Agreed. Now I don't think that, that she's is the an, most. Uh, <laughs> Mark writes for the ringer now thing. (laughs) (laughs) Really bringing something to the the pop culture fabric. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I don't know. I just, I get, there's all this like ink being spilled about Lady Gaga, how she's, you know, a triple threat and all that. I am, she's written some pop songs that have been catchy, but I'm just, and maybe I, I didn't see a star is born. Um, so I'm basing this off of just the previews and everything about that just seems to be very annoying, <laughs> very annoying. Bradley Cooper, where, you know, he sounds like I'm Steve. Still, I am still, <laughs> yes, and I'm still not buying into Bradley Cooper. I'm sorry. I know he's proved a billion times over he can actually act, but there's still something about him that seems like a poor man's Matthew McConaughey. I, I agree with the poor man's Matthew McConaughey, but like he was in Wet Hot American Summer. Um, I mean, he's the voice of Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, um, I'm aware. <laughs> but uh, I mean, his little um, shtick in The Hangover, you know, as like the pretty guy. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. of course, no one can forget the A Team where he played the face. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Sacramento Joe, Joe Carnahan. Yeah. You know, Mark and I went to high school with uh, the little brother of a guy that was in that movie. Uh, what was the movie called? Blood, Guts, Bullets, and Octane. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Starring Marcus Allen. Yep, and uh, Max Car as right. the thug in the car. <laughs> there was other pop culture stuff from 2016, but come on, no, let's keep talking about that movie. <laughs> I never watched that whole movie, but Marcus Allen played an FBI. Yeah, we watched it one time at 15th and V. We, we, we watched it. We watched a lot of bad things yeah. at 15th and V. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah. the movie I really liked by that director was The Gray. Oh, yeah. Which I, wa- I just wanted to bring up because a friend of the show, Liam Meeson, so I think he's still a friend of the show. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't do anything to any of his friends, so I think we're already clear. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, what year did you guys make Just Right Bullets? That's a movie that we need to upload into the, we into the digital we streams. That was 2000. We started do in 2000. Eric. <laughs> started in 2003, and we finished in 2005. You guys I, wanna, I was thinking about that movie the other day. Mark makes a comment like that. Eric, <laughs> out, of all, out of all of us, we've all dabbled in amateur video-ish things. But Eric, out of all of us, actually took it to the next level and was like... <laughs> And a few pieces that were shown at the actual theaters and all that stuff. 
And so Mark's suggesting that we upload one of the videos that, that he spearheaded. And I know what just happened there is that Eric would upload everything he's ever done. He would, he would, yeah. he would get Betamax videos transferred and a bunch of VHS and... Yeah. yeah, the next I fi- thing you know. I finally realized the old man reality that I'm never gonna be a, never gonna be a star. So I just bottled up those old creative projects and threw them away. And so once you open that Pandora's box, then I just start promoting my uh, myself like, there like was, a whore. <laughs> the one I really liked was not an Eric Anderson joint, but he was part of it. Was uh, one called uh, I know which one you're talking about. The Wino the, Warrior. The Wino Warrior, which was a bunch of guys in Sacramento that uh, made it. You know, it's about a wino samurai. But there's, it was really funny. It was, was that um, who played the it's Todd, warrior? Todd Wilbur and yeah, right. It was those Wilbur brothers. Yeah, well, yeah, Chainsaw and Todd. Yeah, and uh, John Boston, of course, of course, had a big part in it, and Sarab had a part in it, I think. Yep. All right, so uh, that was 2016. Unless you have anything else you want to put in there, no. What movies came out? Oh Don't God. skip on this. Okay, shit. I, sorry, I thought we were going to skip on it. You know, we're only doing <laughs> we're only doing one of the EPC, EPs tonight. That's true. I know you can talk for 20 minutes about uh, She's Gone Away, but... How do you know? How do you know that? 2016, what was the... Uh, God, well, I, I mean, it, it really feels like it was five years well, ago. Let's see. I count all my years in Marvel so, movies now. Um, what Star Wars movie was out? Uh, that was Rogue One. Yep, Rogue One came out that year. We saw it. We uh, saw it together in the theater. Yeah. But we saw it in January, though. A good movie. Yeah. It's a solid uh, Star Wars movie. I am very excited to have a Star Wars movie out this year. And Solo was fine, goddammit. Um, but Episode Nine, Maybe that's what I should do. I should just have a Solo solo podcast. <laughs> a Solo Star Wars podcast. I bet there's none of those out there. Oh, you'll probably have never heard of those. <laughs> uh, just talking 15 minutes there's to probably, myself there, about Zuckus the Hutt. Yeah, there's probably one called Rogue One, and it's just one guy podcasting. It's the Rogue One. Well, <laughs> Zuckus <laughs> the Hutt. Big movies we got in 2016. Zootopia was a huge hit. That was alright. Uh, Had a good message. Deadpool. Still haven't seen it. I saw it. Deadpool I was fine. I don't have the patience it was, for it. it, was, it it's got moments of of funniness to it, but it's also like paper thin. Like it doesn't, I don't know. And if you want to talk about the sequel, Cable is one of my favorite comic characters of all time. And I still haven't seen it because the version of Cable I want to see, yeah, aesthetically it looks right, but I don't want it to be in a Deadpool movie. That's Josh Brolin, right? It is. Old Thanos himself. Yep. Doing double duty. Uh, Avengers, or not Avengers, my, my bad. Captain America Civil War came out. That was a good one. That year. That yeah. is a good one. Avengers 1.5, or is that 2.5? 2.5. I do kind of wish it was just an Avengers movie, because I was so stoked on Cap movies after that second one. I thought there was going to be like a really cool like spy, almost like a military spy kind of franchise, like almost like the Mission Impossible of superhero movies, and yeah. then they kind of took a hard left, and basically like... I was still a big fan. In, it, it has a lot of cool, but listen, it's Avengers. It has a, little, a lot of good, cool, fun moments. It's not as as concise a story as that second one. I think Winter Soldier is uh, untouchable. Oh yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's like top notch Marvel movie right there. Star Trek Beyond came out, and at least for me, shattered my expectations. I thought it was going to be bad. I and, liked it a lot, and I thought it was it was a lot. Did you of like fun. Into Darkness? I am totally okay with Into Darkness. Same with me. Totally yeah. okay with it, but I yeah. do think Beyond is a better movie. 
Beyond is a more of a fun movie. It yeah. feels like the old show a yeah. little bit more so. Right. Um, there are some parts in that movie that are a little cringy. Um, I the sabotage part where they brought that back. Oh, I love that. I I mean I love it, <laughs> but I I'm sure that it like most Star Trekkies or Trekkers, Trek you call yourselves Trekkies, right? Uh, uh, we're probably on, apoplectic if you're the West or the East Coast. But uh, I like those movies. Yeah, and I, I mean, it doesn't yeah. look like uh, it's coming together for a fourth one, though. No, it blows me out. I liked them, too. The second one, I don't know, put me to sleep. But uh, I mean, there's nothing like... The first one, for me, was where it was at. Yes. I actually like got emotional in that first part oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. with Chris uh, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. That Chris first Hemsworth. one is a perfect movie. I'd I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, I'm crying. Like, the movie hasn't even started yet. Well, was also, up? that Michael Giacano score is uh, something else. Yeah. yeah. So that that year also got, gave us, uh, uh, what is it? Where is it? Oh, um, oh yeah, Doctor Strange and then that's Harry, a B tier movie. It's not bad. Harry it's Potter just... prequel and uh, the Witch. Didn't see uh, the, witch. the Witch. Would you like to live deliciously? Yes. So what, what is this about the Witch? Like I've heard that it's 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 rough. Is it like it's the, tough? It's uh, without maybe spoiling it, but. Well, uh, it happens in the first 30 seconds. So the first 30 seconds, does it involve, like, mothers and children, or what is it? Well, well leave it at that. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're sensitive to things happening to kids, it's, so it's pretty blatant in the first I tried to... I, I've never watched... Um, what's the documentary on the West Memphis 3? Uh, Paradise Lost? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and Jen were watching that one day, and... Uh, um, it has real footage of the kids, and, oh, yeah. you know, and yeah. we're just like, nope, yep. cannot watch that. Yep. yep. That's understandable. Yeah. That's a rough one. Um, cause yeah. that was like around the time, like making a murder was really big. So we were like, let's watch some other true crime stuff. And then, right. so that true one came crime up. stuff is so popular right now. Isn't it I'm though? I'm just like, eh, I got time for it. You know, like I got it out of my system pretty Yeah, exactly. Quickly. Like, uh, I'm glad that everybody's into this now, but, uh. I don't. I don't need it. I don't. I, I don't need to watch a pod. I don't need to listen to a podcast and then watch a documentary and then read the news and get the same thing. Right, and then you become a detective. Where I, I know it was him. I know he did it. You know, like the first season of Serial, and now HBO has a four-part documentary coming out about Adnan Syed. It's a very interesting phenomenon. I, 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 I can be pulled into it depending upon how creative it's 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 presented. Um, which means I've tried a lot of crap that I've fallen off on because I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't anything interesting. But yeah. I can still get pulled in if it's if the presentation's really good. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, 20, yeah. That so that was, was twenty. Now tell me about the albums that came out. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. You guys told me we're gonna do. We're gonna gloss favorite over twenty. We're gonna um, gloss over twenty sixteen. Was Futurama still on? No. <laughs> came back. No, it's fine. Don't there, worry about it. It's fine. We're not. We're just fucking around. Okay. So. Eric, can you tell me a little bit about um, sex symbols of 2016? No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of. No, well, um, I think we'll finally be in the list uh, when we, our podcast finally drops a year later. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Matthew McConaughey. Um, Vince Vaughn. Uh, <laughs> uh, Channing Tatum would be on that list. He would be on that list. Jonah Hill probably would not. But he's looking good now. I mean, it's, it's just, bizarre the way that guy's weight fluctuates. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Danny McBride. <laughs> <laughs> you can't touch Eastbound Down. You I know, like, Vice Principals is actually, great, no, too. But Eastbound Down say, is fun. Vice Principals, I think, touches it in 
steps over it. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, it, yeah, it didn't have a third season like Eastbound and Down no. did, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. Walter Go- uh, Walton Goggins is mm-hmm. is uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Those perfect teeth. Um, you know, I, I sometimes I sometimes digress on this podcast. But also, I mean, we've just been exclusively talking Nine Inch Nails this whole time, so I don't know I, what you're uh, talking about. I, sometimes Will Ferrell tires me, sure. But when he when he when he strikes gold, he strikes it hard. The Ashley Schaefer character in Eastbound and Down is hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The, the car salesman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Ric Flair. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so 2016, um, Trent Reznor says that uh, after scoring uh, Patriots Day mm-hmm. and uh, before the flood. Yep. Yep. That was that year. And then Juno <laughs> was also that year, too. Right. Um, they decided, okay, let's go ahead and make some Nine Inch Nails music. He had mentioned the fact that, uh, don't worry, there's going to be Nine Inch Nails coming out this year. And this, this is the first year that him and. Atticus were Nine Inch Nails. That's right. I mean, uh, 2016, uh, you know, the clock is ticking. We're hitting almost uh, the buzzer. And uh, someone, I believe, reaches uh, in an interview. They said, hey, you said that there was going to be some new Nine Inch Nails. Like, what the hell? And he was like, did I say that? I guess those words did come out of my mouth. Well, let's just see what happens. I I really, (laughs) I I have thought that before, that originally he was working on an album. And then he like was getting called out on it. He realized that he, you know, he he talked a little too loud. Yeah. And so instead of just delaying it, he said, well, fuck "Send." It. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna send out what we got and pretend that was the plan the entire time to yeah. break this up. Yeah. I guarantee you that's what happened. Yeah. And so uh, three days after he had said, "We'll see what happens," um, <laughs> they release uh, this. Um, not the actual events, and I think they also squeaked in uh, deviations, uh, yep. fragile deviations You're right. too. You're right? absolutely right. So they were they were working on pulling out those instrumental tracks, the unreleased songs, and then just kind of giving it a new Trent and Atticus sheen over the fragile, and that did drop for eighty dollars. Yeah, and, and if you well. think it is available you, to buy now, again. if you think we're trying to uh, bleed this thing dry by doing two podcasts worth of a uh, soundtrack talk, if we really wanted to. Even though we talked about deviations like 18 episodes ago, we could talk about it again right now. Exactly. So that's what we're going to do track by track. All right. Here we go. All right. Four and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But instead, uh, they, you know, uh, Atticus Ross, like you said, now becomes an official bandmate. Um, They. Are you sure he wasn't one for hesitation marks? Well, he was. He he was in it, but but he's been in the band for a long time. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. At a certain point, they said he is now the other member of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, right. So that happened for the CP. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, They. uh, He's actually prestigious. Yes, he was actually included in a lot of the photography. Knighted, and there's only one other knight. Exactly. And I'm, I'm using that specifically because he looks very British. He's a transversion of Mick Harvey is what I look. Uh, yeah. He, he looks like Mick Harvey that fell asleep on his face. <laughs> yeah, no, he looks, yeah, he, he, he kind of looks, he looks like a British cartoon character. Um, but what do you got, Eric? What do you want? What do you want? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple things I like when they, when they release this, uh, their, their description when you buy the album is in all caps. Part one of a three EP trilogy of records. Unapologetic, unfriendly, dense, lyrically complex. So far behind the times, it's ahead of its time. 
Hipster, repelling, uncompromising music smart people can fuck to. It may not be for you. Have you fucked to this? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Um, uh, yeah, I no. think they're. I think they're being cheeky here. Yes. Oh yeah. And I like it when they're cheeky. Oh yeah. So far behind the times and ahead of its time. Yep. Um, Is it lyrically complex? I would well, say I. Eric will, will let as us know. The deep diver. I would say I've had the this. Well, actually, these three albums. It's been the hardest for me to pick apart. Well, the, these are the ones where you you had to go into the matrix. <clears throat> Hipster repelling. Uh, I just picture you know someone with like a fancy mustache mm-hmm. and just being like, ew. This doesn't sound like cut copy. <laughs> so know. as far as like <laughs> the. Uh, so you may be onto something when he only had a few songs and said, all right, fuck it, we're going to call these three EPs and put it out. You may, I mean, because he says he has an, an exact theme for each and album. And it's very bold to basically copy the beta band. <laughs> he, he, he claims he has a theme for each album, and we'll describe them when we get to them. Um, but I can tell you right now, going through them and looking for ties to that theme, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's a song on Ad Violence that matches the theme for this album, which we'll get to, but... Yeah, I sent you guys an email where I, I, I was reading through his description of the themes. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of it was just kind of like mishmash. So it's such a blob of words you can apply it to any any three of these right. if you wanted to. So for this one, and he said this, I've actually, on the Song Exploder podcast, he went into this again. Uh, but he said that the first record is um, an internal fantasy of if I lit, lit a match to my life and just embraced burning the whole fucking thing down. So, I mean, this is like that kind of concept of like he, you know, his true nature is a, you know, an addict and a self, like Mr. Self-Destruct. He's been holding it back now since he got clean, but now it's just like, well, this album is going to be writing to that fantasy of just giving into his nature and the freedom that that would bring and the horrible consequences that would bring. So that's what he said the theme is. And I do see that quite a bit in here, not on every song, but I do see it quite a bit. One Um, thing, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of they actually for this cycle of Nine Inch Nails for these EPs, I feel they did a lot more press, especially for the third one. Um, when they were talking about this first one, and they were talking or the EPs of the whole, uh, you know, he said it wasn't fully mapped out, but we meant it to feel like if we broke up one big record, if you know you took the downward spiral, which has acts, Eric, the downward spiral is acts, apparently three act play. If we do an album like that, but release one act at a time, it will be more immediate and the level of adrenaline and momentum will be higher. And maybe it will be consumed in a way that feels more digestible to an outside world that doesn't have a long attention span anymore. Well, he extrapolates that a little bit more because by the time they put the 30p out, they call it an album just so you can find it in Spotify better. Hmm. Um, yep. Which I find amusing. But I definitely, when you listen to the three of them together, they sound like one album to me. Um, they do. They I really actually do. made a, a playlist and I listened to the whole thing yeah, back to yeah, back to back. Yeah, as did I. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, Field on F- or Burning Bright, Field on Fire, um, the background world, and then the last track is Over and Out. Over yeah. and Out really does feel like the end of the whole piece. Yes. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, background world, even though how long it is, it still does feel like it does go right into Shitmir yeah. pretty well. Right? Yeah. I, t- I totally. No, totally no, I think that, that yeah. I, we've always said that the, this band is very good at sequencing. And if you listen to the, the three EPs are sequenced very well individually, and then as a whole, they really do flow together. So if it wasn't, you know, not everything has to be planned to be good. Right. And then it worked out in the end. 
So one thing about the release of this album is obviously, you know, they put it out on, on record and they put it out digitally. And they also did it digitally where you could buy a physical component, which, <clears throat> which I bought. And they did the same thing for Ad Violence, and I got it for both of those. And the thing is, on the physical component, there's a big sticker from the Null Corporation basically saying, like, uh, actions have consequences. Um, there's subversive elements in this that will give you feelings of euphoria, but may be harmful and unsettling to the consumer. Um, and then it goes on and on. But basically, just but it saying, does like, say, but you know that you got to make sure. Yeah. And this is important in yeah. all caps. Yeah, this, this will, will make, make a mess. mess. <laughs> and it's true, it did. And when I read that, I didn't open it. And I was like, okay, I'm at least going to go out to the garage for this. And I opened it and just all this um, charcoal dust just out of it. And like, it was all these really? um, clear plastic pictures and artwork of them. Um, like, it's the promo pictures that you see of Trent and Atticus a lot. And then there's like these weird lyric sheets, um, including like one that was like a reprint from like the Downward Spiral booklet and stuff with. Um, lyrics from this album superimposed over lyrics from reptile. Anyways, there's all sorts of crazy stuff. But what does it all mean with the soot being in there? Like what, I mean, (laughs) you know, I I was just trying to like, as I was doing my research, well, I think fire, like burning his whole life down fire. I don't know. Maybe something like that. I I, I really don't know what he was trying to do here. Like these are things that were like found in a fire. Yeah. Whenever Eric talks about Trent Reznor, he makes him sound way more like, complex and action hero than I think yeah. the guy is. Yeah. It's yeah. always like, you know, he's burning his whole life down and what if he did let the dark half come back? Um, hey, no, the, those you of know. you who listen to Hesitation Marks and are with me on the, the dark half Trent Reznor, good Trent Reznor, bad, and goatee wearing far, bad Trent Reznor. But as far as burning his whole life down and sticking ashes in the bag, I mean, why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I do look like that's just a ridiculous promotion. Is like, Just give him a bag of ash and... <laughs> You know, slap a warning sticker on there. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm so, sure legal was like, you know, we're going to get some complaints if we don't put the sticker <laughs> well, on there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyways, that was that. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's the kind of the, that's kind of the build up to it. I mean, really. So did, did, did any of you guys get the, uh, the, the vinyl? I do have it on vinyl, but that's not in there. No. Um, no, but did you get the one with the additional tracks? No. There is not one with There's the additional not, tracks. Yeah, I don't think so. No, what, I'm reading oh. about it right now. Features oh, uh, side B of the vinyl version features three additional unlisted tracks from the Downward Spiral in reverse. So it's got hidden oh, Downward shit. Spiral tracks. I, yeah, I guess oh. I need to check that out. Oh, so they're just put on there in reverse? They play the songs backwards? Oh, yeah, I guess so her, so. the Downward Spiral and Reptile Oh, that's funny. There. We'll have to <laughs> check that out. I do have that on vinyl. I have, all, I have the trilogy on You know, that. I don't know how Hurt plays into it, but I actually, the Downward Spiral and Reptile, there are two songs that uh, I could connect to the CP. Right. We'll talk. One of them's obvious. The other one, not much is so. I, uh, Reptile is directly connected to... Yes, she's, uh, she's gone, gone away. away. Yep. So, yeah. Um, which, uh, back when we were talking about the Downward Spiral and episode blah, 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 yeah. um, we mentioned that Reptile was inspired by Twin Peaks and then it all comes round again, yeah, right? Yeah, well, when we get to She's Got Away, we'll talk about that. Yep. Absolutely. With the, last, the Nine Inch Nails. The last kind of background of this is, once again, another layer that doesn't play into this theme that Trent described this album was going to be. That was that... Um, that the there is a connection to this blog on WordPress called Schizophrenia's Diary. Schizophrenia's Diary, which yeah. is basically like um, somebody collected and just took dictation of some like ramblings from people with schizophrenia. And I mean, to read it, it's it's pretty disturbing. There's some pretty gross things in there, uh, but there are like branches and are fu- fucking bones. Like there are some uh, direct connections to Japanese. 
uh, yeah, there's like direct connections to the lyrics. So he obviously, I don't know what he had to do with this or if he just like found it and thought it was interesting. So he put some of this in there. I don't know how that at all connects to um, his theme, except maybe, well, I actually have no idea. Because schizophrenia is not has, is not multiple personalities, or it's two separate things. So I was going to say like the duality of who he is and his fantasy of burning his life down, but that doesn't make sense. So never mind. <laughs> yes, uh, sometimes uh, words from a blog that we're not going to say out loud in this podcast <laughs> are just words from a blog that we're not going to say out loud in this podcast. If you want to read it, you can go to the uh, the Nin Wiki. Follow uh, the they, link. They've got a link there. Um, I'll probably link it in the show notes if right. you're brave enough to look through there. Don't read it at work. Yeah, that is NSFW, my friends. Um, or read it on the campaign trail. <laughs> <laughs> that could be Trump's next stump speech. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. There's a, you know, he was basically a couple nights ago saying that Democrats have babies born and wrap them in blankets and then kill them. So uh, ah. some of the stuff we just read right here is the next step. From the poet. Uh, that was a Slipknot lyric, too, I think, too. <laughs> I actually think Corey Taylor would be a fine president. <laughs> oh, man. It's because the bar's down there now. Exactly. <laughs> hey, we, uh, whatever. The whole cabinet would be all the Slipknot guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I did after Number zero. We, <laughs> you're on transportation. After we talked, this is only so unrelated, but after we talked, I finally did watch that um, Sound City documentary. There's some great Trent moments in there. And he's Absolutely. the only one vouching for like using pro tools in a good way. Cause it's such like an analog movie, which makes sense cause yeah. of, because of it, but it was kind of a cool scene, but yeah, uh, Slipknot's in there. Oh There's yeah. Some backstage footage of them, uh, banging on like big old bass drums in, in the studio. Well, Corey recording. Taylor, isn't he on one? Track? Yeah. He yeah. Is, yeah, I thought. Yeah, yeah. 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 In the soundtrack. Um, all right. So, uh, I think we should take a break so that way we can get into the track by track unless there's anything else. I'm ready. Yeah. All right. So we'll be right back. So before we start going through these five tracks in depth, uh, when you guys first heard the album, how'd you feel about it? Um, so I remember downloading it or streaming it, I think on Apple Music the day of release, and um, it was not what I expected because of what I had remembered from Hesitation Marks. It was more groove-oriented. I uh, didn't realize that it was going to be more uh, a throwback to kind of the broken downward spiral, very chaotic noise. Um, so it wasn't something that I immediately latched onto. I thought it was good, but I didn't necessarily, um, I wasn't blown away by it. Um, I liked it, but I, I didn't really revisit it very often. I kept revisiting the other stuff. What was your thoughts, Eric? So it's funny. I think I wrote a big Facebook post about it that I went back and, and read, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> cause I was stoked. Um, I think it was kind of like almost you and I were flipped off for hesitation marks. Like I was not primed for hesitation marks Sure. and I grew to like it later. Like this one, I was, I was kind of like getting back into industrial music and I was, and just revisiting a lot of the nine inch nail stuff that I liked. And I was, I, and I was, when I heard that first song and just the fuzzy, nasty production, 
quality and like the just the layer of filth over every song, I was like, okay, we're back, baby. <laughs> I, uh, and so I really, I got really, really excited. Now that being said, I was conflicted because I've gone on record as saying when you talk through songs, not my favorite way to do deliver vocals. And there is more than half the songs on here. At least the verses are talk through now. I, after hearing him talk, and we'll get to this when we talk about the songs, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit about how it's done on these EPs as opposed to other ones. But that did, that was a moment of confliction for me. As much as I love the sound of the whole thing, and I loved all the hooks, the, all the talking, I didn't know why he, did, he made that choice. But I think I know now, and we'll talk about that later. Steven? Uh, when, I, when I first listened to it, I very specifically remember driving down 65 right there, listening to it on the way to work. And someday, 65, it will take you a half hour to go one mile. And I listened to, like, the whole thing. And I thought, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, chaotic. Sounded a little rushed to me at first. Uh, on uh, listen, uh, Listening to it afterwards, it doesn't sound like that to me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I was paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I, I've... That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I, I just wasn't paying attention to it. And it, it's funny because now I'm like, how did I miss... So many little things in here I love now. So definitely, I think honestly, I think the fact that we did our deep dive in the soundtrack work first, I think helped made at least me appreciate the music even that much more because I feel like this is the perfect unification of some of his guitar heavy stuff with the um, the drones <clears throat> and noise work that he does on the soundtracks, and he's incorporated that into Nine Inch Nails in a huge way on this on these albums, I think. When I, when Certainly were, on Bad Witch, I definitely would agree with you, but not so much on, in my opinion, not okay. so much on this one and or Add Violence, but uh, definitely on Bad Witch. I feel I would one hundred percent agree with you. Okay. When they uh, released the second EP, it made me revisit this one again, uh-huh. and that's when I really started to like it. I don't know why. When, uh, when that second one came out, I was like, "Oh yeah, they released one before this. Oh shit, this is great." So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, but I can tell you, despite all that, when I heard Branch's Bones, I about lost my shit on how awesome Which this is funny one it's, minute and 42 second song is. Let's listen to it. It's my, least, right. my least favorite track. So let's hear a little bit of the opening title track, Branch's Bones. one actually takes the most from that um, schizophrenic diary website um, uh, lyrically uh, but that that's not what you notice first what you notice, notice first is like all the instruments <laughs> compressed into a big uh, noise loop uh, that's getting you ready until you realize oh yeah, there's drums there's bass there's guitar there's swooshing noises and drones 
um, that give you this like little one minute and 45 second rock tune with that, with that, that, that fuzz bass holds it down throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the fuzz bass and the guitar like meet up with each other a couple of times. Right. But the bass line stays throughout. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean this one based on it, I'm, I'm looking it over and I'm feeling like looking at some of the lyrics, uh, like talking about, no, he's not just a tourist. He's not just a guy that sometimes he's allowing himself to kind of go whole hog into this destruction, which is, is kind of like what he said was the theme of the album. Um, giving into that fantasy of, uh, of what you're trying not to do, which is what his true nature is, is being a, being an addict. So there's, there's a bit in there and just, just a lot of like visualization about destruction. Um, anyways, kind of a, I wrote, just wrote down must be his relapse song. Um, love the guitar tone, love the bug production. Uh, Fuzzbot guitars are back, baby, is what I wrote in my notes here. Uh, you know, in, in retrospect, I it, it grabbed my attention. I was so happy to hear the sound the first time I heard it. I mean, really, it's a minute and 45. It's not very dense. There's not a lot to pick apart. It's really not my favorite song on the album anymore, but when I first heard it, I, I did go ape shit for it. So that guitar tone that you were talking about, um, that's one of the things that... Uh, is definitely different on this record. I mean, have you heard that guitar tone used in any other Nine Inch Nails song? No, because, it's even different than the old stuff. Because it sounds yeah. way compre- compressed yeah, or something well, like he, that. And not not so much broken, but if you listen to like Downward Spiral and especially a lot of but his that re- has like remix chunky tuneness. Like you yeah, can no, definitely it's different. Feel it's, like they're the, both very compressed to the point where you could almost it could almost just be replicated on a keyboard. Yeah, they both do it. Um, because this almost could be just synthesized guitar right. on right? this song. Yeah, yeah, on this song. On other songs, it goes into more organic stuff. But yeah, absolutely on this song. Um, and then the uh, you know just the drum machine. There is no like organic or acoustic drums actually on this song. I mean, I do like this song, but it's not one of my favorites. I think Steve, you said this is one of your least favorite songs. It's not bad. It's just if it wasn't so short, I might skip it. But I mean, then, it's over before it really begins. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a good... Okay, so, yeah, here's my piece on it. I think it's a good way to introduce um, the the EP. It's very short. Um, I, I do like the, uh, um, the chorus and how it kind of falls off before he says, feels like I've been here, but, and then it goes Four. right into... And then it goes yeah, right into I love his vocal delivery. In, in, that actually kind of annoys me. Really? really? Yeah. Tell me about that. I love that. his vocal I just did... Uh, <laughs> It you think it's just too, it, it like, seems gimmicky? unnecessary to me. Something about this song just doesn't fit together right for me, and I think that's part of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe to go back into that um, kind of schizophrenia type of uh, feeling that as soon as you're on one thought, it all of a sudden just deviates into another thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it's uh, the vocal uh, effect on here, um, well, throughout this whole record, it's it's definitely not clean vocals on any of the rec- uh, on any of the songs. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like, it's not anything that I would. This is not anywhere on a playlist that I would create for yeah, yeah, for all, anyone. I feel like they always play it live now. I would have loved to see it live, and I bet they make it a little longer, maybe flesh it out a little bit more this live. Is when we saw it. They opened up with this song the second night, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw it at the Aftershock show. They played it live. Oh, they did? Yeah. It seems like they play it live often. Maybe it's just in my did head. Did it seem longer than a minute and 45 seconds? Did they flesh it out at all? Do you remember? I don't, I don't recall. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that I'd be on trial here. Yeah. yeah. Um. I just I just like it. I feel like he's got a real good, like, 
rock singer vocals um, in it. They're, the lyrics are really weird. Uh, yeah, I, I would. Uh, it's important to point out that the uh, cold and black and infinite phrase is in this song. Right. It is. And so uh, I found that there was extra lyrics from an MP3 download. Now, are those embedded? I mean, have you heard anything about the fact is this like a longer so, version? No, of no, the no. Song? There's no longer version. Okay, he so just, it's, it's always it's this. like Pretty Hate Machine, and we talked about before I where he see. did extra lyrics. Yeah, but in the in the digital version, he added those, so they those come up when you're when you're like the one you're looking at here. Because not yeah. the actual events. Um, yeah, it's it looks in like those the title of the lyrics. album actually comes from this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of weird lyric stuff that he did on this one where he added more kind of context and then hit it in stuff either in the embedded it in the MP3 or in that um, that physical component. Sure. So I don't know. Anyways, but I mean, like the extra lyrics. I mean, they go on for a mile. Oh yeah, more there's so. There's a ton. Yeah, uh, I, I have to disagree with Eric's lyrical interpretation, like I often do, but not just to be contrarian. This time, I actually think that. The song is more just about being confused and having a sense of deja vu, which I think comes up in a few songs on this album. And uh, these extra lyrics are what also gets me going there. Uh, if you read through some of these... Uh, he's talking about trying to put events in order and having trouble with that, you know? Right. So. Yeah, which could which could connect to a relapse, but... I, get I refuse to think every song he writes is about relapsing. I, I, that, I'm just going off the what he said. The lyrically about. deeper than that for me. I, I just got to, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm just going off what he said this album was about. But uh, he does. Uh, this wouldn't be the first time I've, I've, I've mentioned I don't think he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about lyrics he wrote, which is ridiculous, I understand. Right. Um, <laughs> so the, a lot of this is from that schizophrenia diary, like spiders crawling everywhere, infected Japanese. Like I just saw that when you pulled up that <laughs> diary. Yeah. It sounds like a David Bowie lyric. Yeah, <laughs> it does, doesn't yeah. it? Like off of Scary Monsters yeah, or exactly. something. There's yeah. a lot of bug references and lyrics in this. Anyways, so I, I, I think it's a fun opener as opposed to his usual like instrumental opener. It's just it's as short as any of his. I intros. knew I knew Eric would like it. It's a very Eric song. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I, it's dirty. It kicks you in the face a couple of times. Which is funny because all our music tastes are similar but different, but mostly similar. Sure. But I, you know. It's I, probably I, my punk background. Like, I'm totally uh, okay with the minute yeah. 45 of just like hard, fast, get your attention and bye. Like, yeah. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, yeah no, that, there <laughs> you go. That, that's probably where you're coming from. I totally, that, that, that is a connection there. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's take a listen to the next track, which is Dear World. Everyone seems to be asleep. Now we're talking. Uh, track two, Dear World. 
fascinating song. I uh, There's a lot going on, but it's never overwhelming, which is what I like about it. Before we get too deep into it, because it reminds me of a early to mid-90s industrial song. Um, have you guys listened to that new Frontline Assembly album? Yes. I didn't listen to it. It's in my... I added it to my library. I haven't had a chance to listen pretty to good. it. Pretty good. It is pretty good, but do yourself a favor and just skip to the last track with Chris Connolly. Mm-hmm. Sounds an all-time... Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. yeah I'm working on... Right. Yeah. The closing track is really, really good. And Chris Connolly sometimes sings like David Bowie. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, almost yeah. like David Bowie doing an, uh, a Frontline oh, Assembly song. Can't wait. Really good. Yeah. Anyhow, this this song does kind of remind me of uh, some, some FLA-type industrial. Um, I really enjoy it. It's, it, again, back to the sense of deja vu or, or having trouble waking or knowing your place. That's exactly, yeah. That's being exactly fog, right. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, I'm getting over the sickness, right? And we just moved and... Uh, I still don't have like an idea of where everything is in our house, and uh, my parents watched Towns overnight for like the third time this weekend. And at about two a.m., they decided that he wasn't that he just wouldn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So they brought him back to my house, and so I awake on Saturday night with this delirium sickness to someone tapping on the door in a place that isn't familiar to me, and I'm freaking out thinking someone's breaking in. But I'm trying to find the front door, and I can't. Uh, that was Saturday. Oh, man. And it was my parents with my uh, three-year-old. They said, hey, you won't go to sleep. Here you go. And I was like, you know what? If we were trying to make time. Thanks a lot, parents. My point being, that feeling of the insanity is what this song kind of like is to me. Because there's, there's those parts where there's that, like, that synth that sounds like a fog. Yeah. If a synth can sound like a fog, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It makes me sound. It makes me feel like it sounds very lost. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I dig it. This was a really cool song live, which we saw them do, um, and uh, it was just fun seeing them recreate that. Because yeah, it's really just like it, 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 sometimes it, if, on a light listen, you might think it's just like a program thing. But yeah, if you really listen to it, there's so much going on. Well, there's tapping going yeah. on, and there's plinking and plooping, and. There's sounds that make you feel like you're trying to swat stuff in the video game. Yeah, it's, uh, and the drums sound both electronic and real when you listen to it. Um, and it's then, a head nodder, man. It yeah. makes you it makes you yeah. nod your head. It's so a groove. I think I'm just going to use this to just get this out of the way about the whole like talking verses, which is something I've had a problem with in the past. And some which songs I think are done really good on this one. Yeah, this song. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is like uh, there was like one moment I think on like Year Zero where they pulled that off where I was like, okay, that actually adds to the song like the warning. But but <clears throat> what I like about the, the the trilogy whenever he does that on this or the next album, and he mentioned this on um, Song Exploder was he's like, well, some of these lyrics were meant to be more of a poem. So if we're just gonna speak it instead of sing it. Why don't we not force it down anybody's throat? Why don't we make it like um, overheard? Like you were just like, it was on a TV in the background or you're like walking by a club and somebody's reading it. So you're not, it's not like spoken word poetry, but it's just like, it's kind of just like a transmission that's coming in and out. So you don't need everything, but if you listen closely, you might get a little, little more out of it. They do a good job of that. Transition's a really good word for it. Yeah. And I, and I think that that approach. And look, look, if you uh, scroll up, Mark. Yeah. The left channel and the right channel are saying different things at the same time. <laughs> oh, wow. Which I didn't realize until I saw it separated yeah. like that. Yeah, that's so cool. So if, if, I guess if you're listening to this with headphones, which I did, and I can't really tell what they're yeah. saying, it's because there are times where there's different lyrics coming through each uh, side yeah, of the Yeah, it's pretty crazy. 
Um, but this song, yeah, this song's good. And I think you're, you're dead on. It's a, it's about a world that doesn't, that you don't really recognize anymore and in your place in it, or even like, you don't understand what's happening in it. Like, it's just like, it's, uh, it's messed up. And, um, and I, and I liked it. Yeah. And when we saw him live, Robin Fink got to do the, the verse part. So he was like, as he was playing, he was speaking to like a Peter Frampton, like a little vocoder, a little vocoder. Show me the that. Way. And then Trent sang the, uh, the choruses and it was, yeah, it was really cool to see them re- reproduce that live. Um, I do want to admit, uh, so this, uh, kind of the synth bubbling, um, that's going on in this song, it does remind me of that score work, especially from the social sure. network. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I will admit when I'm wrong, um, <laughs> that you're right. After listening to some of the scores and then listening to some of the EPs, you do get a little more appreciation. And I think when, I think we were talking off mic on this, right. but it really has to do with Atticus probably taking Absolutely. more of a There's- seat on on the so it's just like yeah exactly like i think he brings like the swooping drones and stuff that weren't always there like the music was always noisy that's trench kind of thing sure but just kind of bringing that in to accentuate what's happening i think is a huge part of it and just some of the fun like um like synthy tweaks and stuff like that absolutely you know i always appreciate a song that has some hooks uh you know i it's called the laziness in me but i do actually appreciate like uh, a song that immediately grabs me. Um, you know, I don't, it's not like I mind challenging music because sometimes I can, I can find the hook in challenging music if I listen to it enough. Um, but as I re listen to this over and over again, um, this one really does stand out and it's, you know, it's a, it's a toe tapper. Yeah. Um, uh, I really, my favorite part of the song is, uh, kind of that false start. And then, um, like the synths and the drums kind of pick up a little bit. It's a drum machine. It does sound like it's organic, but it's it might not. be a little of both. But yeah, for the most part, that a is definitely a drum machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, it picks up again. Um, I I really enjoy the uh, kind of the dynamics in this song. It's some of the other the, fall, the false start you're talking about. I, it happens in like the last third of the song. It sounds like the song should end exactly. And then it, it just like comes back in and just 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 boom, not boom, even boom. bigger than before. Just it just pulls you right back into the groove as soon it, as it comes back. It, in. Exactly. it comes back in a little bit more determined. Right. So. Exactly. There's an interesting lyric in here. Um, like well, once again, I don't think there. I mean, I think for the most part, this thing's about the world's changing and not in a good way, and you don't know where you fit into that. But there's this one part where he says, "I'm locked inside here. I have to stay with people who aren't here all the way. Pictures and faces on display, and I." This is once again. This is just me doing fan fiction, but part of that makes me wonder, like, if there's memories of like colleagues or people he worked with before that were such a big part of, you know, I don't know, big part of his life and his professional life that are that are kind of gone now. I don't know, maybe not, but that's that. That's the only that's the only fan fiction I'm going to do on this song. I mean, I know that you like to make connections. Uh, we didn't really talk about the album artwork, but there is a strong connection to the Still EP. Oh, yeah. No, no, and it's like the same. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. there's like four different, um, and one of them is exactly the Still mm-hmm. with just not the actual events. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's any connection to to like either the Fragile or, I mean, or except for the fact that we know that when he worked on the Still, was at like his low, low kind of, you know, sure. fragile error rock bottom. And he's fantasizing and romanticizing that a little bit on this album. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's the only connection I can really think is he just wanted much like he did with hesitation marks, you know, pulling up old artwork to kind yeah. of 
revisit a a theme of his past. Right, and that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, why the last two things that we've talked about have taken nods to previous releases yeah. in terms yeah. of the art used. Yeah, and I think he's really. It might just be his <laughs> way of being very meta and very self like self reflective. A couple other to go into Eric Land connections here is uh, the the line "Dear World, I am leaving." You know that that is kind of like a a suicide note ish line, right? In the downward spiral, title track is a hidden t- track on this thing, right? Also, I was thinking about that this this morning. <clears throat> the spoken word in this song sounds like the spoken word in the downward spiral yeah. title track. Yeah, it's the same kind of muddled, yeah, breathy, sleepy mm-hmm. talk, yeah. I would I would agree with that. I could see that connection absolutely. Yeah, this song it just starts in one place. It goes through all these other places. There's a ton of stuff going on. There's a uh, there's a section where when he says pictures and faces, like a secondary strain for lack of a better term, a bleeps and bloops starts going, and it fucking goes off into the distance, and then it like moves around the voice and then goes into space and dissipates. It's absolute insanity. This is if a you headphone really listen song. to the yeah, if you, yeah, it's a good headphone song. Like you'll tap your head. You'll, you'll tap your foot and nod your head throughout the song. But if you sit and listen to it, there's tons of little Gary Newman synth flourishes in the background and just a ton of stuff going on that I love. And that that reoccurring Twilight Zone fog synth is just amazing. It's, uh, I, I love it. Yeah. It's a great track. It is a great track. It's- and, and it still has like some, like the beat is kind of like some of that hesitation marks, uh, Talking Heads type, like, right. uh, drum yeah. beat. Yeah, yeah. It's a... Little, it's little LCD. Like, a lot, a lot of different too. stuff from a lot yeah, of different... A little bit of that in there, too. There's actually... These trilogy of EPs, a lot of stuff from the history of Nine Inch Nails gets combined into some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of All similar to, like, Hesitation Marks. I felt the same thing on, yeah. on that. I mean, less noisy. You didn't really get any nor- sort of dissonance. Yeah, there's not a lot yeah, of that was, I think definitely lyrically, Hesitation Marks, you get a lot of that. But musically, I think on the especially in the second EP, um, there's some stuff where I'm like, oh, that's definitely a, a nod to like two different uh, previous tracks, which I'll talk about in the next. You one. know, reflecting <clears throat> on uh, hesitation marks a little bit, it almost feels like it could have had a stronger connection to the fragile than the downward spiral. I think. Um, I don't know. I mean, if they had maybe dressed up the artwork a little bit differently, I know lyrically it probably hones a little bit more closer to Downward Spiral, but musically I would say it hones closer to the Fragile. Um, it does have a lot of room to breathe like the Fragile does. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, not the actual events. Um, I mean, it really brings it back to kind of like that um, immediacy and urgency of Broken and... Um, Downward spiral to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, no, there's definitely some of those are both in here. Yeah. Um, all right, so should we go to the next track? Um, unless, Eric, do you have anything else you want to add? Nope, I'm ready. All right, so let's go into uh, She's Gone Away.
was the Nine Inch Nails with She's Gone Away. That's how they were introduced on what show? Fuck. The microphone was off. Uh, the Nine Inch Nails <laughs> on Twin Peaks of Return. Ah, yeah. The eight. Nine Inch Nails. Episode 8. So tell me a little bit about episode eight. So, <laughs> episode eight is a controversial, especially okay. in our circle of friends. So <laughs> hold on a sec. Okay, before we talk about that, um, I remember reading in the AV Club uh, as they were leading up to, okay, uh, Twin Peaks is coming back. It's going to be on Showtime. <clears throat> Big old back and forth whether or not David Lynch was going to be doing it because Showtime was playing playing games with, like, the money or something yeah, like they, that. Yeah, like, for a while they said he was he could only do, like, like X amount of episodes and then he quit. Yeah. So what kind of person tries to give David Lynch any parameters to do something? Yeah. Right. Obviously, he's not going to do it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can see him on the special features, like, chewing out production from Showtime. The special right? features yeah. on the yeah. box set for yeah. Twin Peaks of Return yeah. are a delight. Yeah, they are. A lot of it is just David Lynch being pissed off about stuff. Yeah. And for a guy who's so zen, when he gets pissed off, it's like, oh, man, dad is pissed. And there's really? like, sh- there's but a dad's thing. a weird, you know, yeah, short, art man from the other dimension. Short films directed by, I feel like, like Ben Horn or like one of the one of the actors you wouldn't suspect is some weird short films on there too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, I read yeah. in the cast listing that Trent Reznor was going to appear on the show, and I actually thought it was going to be in a more of an acting speaking role. Right. I um, mean, then play like, the cop. Right, exactly. Playing like what he did on <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, that whole thing. Sure. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a silver robot man actually would fit into Twin Peaks. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, he would just be serving coffee. It would never exactly. be mentioned. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dougie stares at him. He's the statue that Dougie stares at for two episodes straight. But then when uh, I started watching The Return and it was, oh, Twin Peaks, the variety show where they had musical, musical guests. Um, then I was like, I get it now. Then they're going to have Nine Inch Nails probably do this. And sure I did, enough. I discovered a couple good artists on that show. Yeah, it was not bad. I actually enjoyed the musical aspect. A lot of the music was great, yeah. Yeah. Um, But then, uh, so episode eight rolls around. Yeah, controversial episode because, like, the first five minutes are the only five, like, directly related to the main storyline. And then it cuts to the roadhouse where they say, you know, now presenting the Nine Inch Nails. They come out and play the song. Uh, Mara Queen's out there with them. They're yep. rocking out. Who's in the bandit? You've got Alessandro. Uh, now, Al- Alessandro wasn't there, was he? He was. Elon Rubin was not. It was Joey there. Castillo yeah. from Queens of the Stone yes. Age that so yeah, was yeah, pretending yeah. to play the drums. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then and then the rest of them, you know. Uh, wait, was Robin there? Robin, Robin was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Atticus, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then after they played, then it cuts to the most bonkers, like crazy um, thing that ends up actually being a huge part of the Twin Peaks mythology. Is that the, the episode backstory. that looks like it could be a Smashing Pumpkins like tonight? Yes. Tonight? Yeah. Okay. They go. They go into all. The, yeah. It's actually really tied to the mythology. It's actually my favorite episode of the whole thing. It's so. It goes off into a Cody Askoski. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so cool. I will say, okay, um, I was watching it late at night, and uh, I think my wife was already asleep, and I was sticking. Oops, I was sticking with uh, Twin Peaks, and I was a fan of the original, um, but. I think if I go back and revisit it, knowing what it's going to be and just watch it all again, yeah. um, I was getting very frustrated with with uh, the season. Uh, there were points where I was like, this is really cool. And then there was other points where I was like, David Lynch has his head so far up his ass, he's turning into a Mobius strip. <laughs> like, I can't. 
I, I don't know what the and hell he always I'm does, and that's and that's why because, we're on you know, the ride. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't care for Eraserhead, right? You know, and I watched that in like my prime time. That was like in my twenties, where I'm watching you know challenging stuff, and I'm right. thinking I'm an artist, and right? All, before uh, you discovered HGTV, and uh, exactly before I started watching VH1, always, always goes back to Home and Garden, the there. Give Up Channel. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, you, no. You, yeah you know, you, you take a man's film struck account away and you just lash out at the yeah, world. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. But so. no, I yeah, you, I'm not. You're not on trial because I do think that um, it uh, on a whole. Uh, the Twin Peaks Return, I actually really do enjoy it. I think that it ended really cool. Um, John Belushi and the other guy, uh, that James, whole... James, James. Oh, it was James Belushi. Yeah, that's Jim, right. Jim that Belushi. Was Jim, Jim Belushi. Uh, I thought... John Belushi is R.I.P. The, uh, I can tell you that. Bad news, Mark. Um, what were their names? What were the names of the brothers? Oh, they were the, uh, they were the uh, Mitchum brothers. The Mitchum brothers yeah. are amazing. Yeah. They, I, I would want a spinoff of just yeah. that, yeah. of that show. I love, I love how the Mitchum brothers, like, you're like, oh, these guys are like some... He's just some uh, knee-breaking gangsters, right. and they turn out to be the two biggest sweethearts. And they're yeah. just you know they are the show's comic relief. Yeah, is what it turns into. Um, Tom Sizemore is in it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Naomi Watson. I mean, there's the, yeah, the cast was uh, it was amazing, and that that episode eight gave us the crazy like holy shit. So that was the origin of Bob. That was the origin that of was, Bob. And they talked the, about the woodsman, right? The, the woodsman. Uh, and then they, then you realize that Sarah Palmer has been infected by, it wasn't that same episode. Was yeah. Like that a, was like a space lizard, but yeah. they never explained that. Right. That you get about, you, have to, a, you have you, to do a homework. Let me, to, let me just, let me just blow dots, your mind right? really quick here. <clears throat> Remember when the woods, she, she, she eats that bug. It goes inside of her. That right. was her as a little yes, girl? Yes, Okay, that's all you need right. to say then. Well, but then listen to this. When you go back and rewatch it, you're like, wait, no, it's just Sarah Palmer. She's not She's not like infected by any of this evil... Sarah thing. Palmer, not Laura Palmer. No, Sarah Palmer. The mom. Yeah, the yes. mom. Yeah. Yes. And you're like, she's not infected by anything until... Okay, so in the return, when she eats the bug, the woodsman goes into the radio and starts saying this, I am the well and the, and the white horse, and says the white horse a bunch of times. Okay, yeah. so when you go back and watch season two... When um, uh, when Ray Palmer poisons her so we can kill Matt Maddie, yeah, she sees a white horse, and it's like that's like a sleeper agent. That's when she's triggered. That's when that's when the that's whatever wild. is inside of her takes to, over. To tie it to what we're actually talking about <laughs> with the three EPs, I don't think they were planned to be three EPs at the start, but it worked out well when they became three EPs. You can fit together. Yeah, David Lynch didn't have all this shit written down somewhere back in 1989. But by the time he got to go back and finish his story in a way, there were a couple of flourishes that tied the whole thing together. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I, I, I am. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of it's nonsense, but it's just it's, well, it's if still, you connect the dots. I mean, I, I don't mind puzzle shows. I sure. really don't. Um, a lot of a lot of it. There, a lot of it's like you're getting jigsaw pe- puzzle pieces that don't fit together. There's yeah. no way that some of the stuff fits together. And when you write, and when you write like him, you throw out jigsaw puzzle pieces that are just meant to be weird. And then eventually, you know, if he has a chance to go back, he's like, well, maybe I'll make something out of that. And that's what you like, get. Like the guy sweeping for five minutes is amazing to me. <laughs> but I really hope no one's like looking for something no. deeper there until the it's return. Just a guy the return for five minutes until the return of the return when you find out that he was sweeping up the entire universe in that broom, uh, <laughs> or he's sweeping up some of the dust from somebody that ordered the vinyl version of this album. Yeah, it's, uh, all tied together, man. So to tie it back to Nine Inch Nails, when uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me came out, uh, Trent Reznor was commissioned to do a song for it, which was not used, and that song was Reptile. Mm-hmm. 
which ended up getting used on his, on his uh, obviously, the Downward Spiral. Uh, when this came out again, uh, he did a song, I think, and it wasn't accepted. And so he went back again and then did She's Gone Away, which was originally written for Twin Peaks, and then, then he put it on this album. Doesn't really tie into the theme at all um, that I was talking about before, but it does tie into Reptile big time. If you look at the lyrics, um, and uh, yeah, and, and there are some like images that definitely make me think of Twin, Pe- Twin Peaks and Laura Palmer, and like um, uh, love and murder and 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 death kind of crisscrossing. Um, I, that's just just me going off images. I don't know if that's what it's about. Um, Reptile, as far as like, especially if you look at some of the embedded lyrics and the fact that they put the lyrics, printed the lyrics over a sheet of Reptile lyrics from the Downward Spiral and the physical content, it's like. Uh, it's, they didn't make you try too hard on this one, did no, they, Eric? No. <laughs> Look at me. It broke me. I'm broken. <laughs> I'm broken. But uh, uh, anyways, it's uh, this, this uh, I'll just say it right now, this is my favorite song on the album. I really, really like this song. Um, um, it's got a huge fuzzy bass, bass groove that never lets up the boom, entire boom, time. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and uh, it's got that bass and the drums that kind of sounds like uh, with teeth production. Yeah, those like Tom drums. Yeah, those yeah. Doom, yeah. Doom, doom, like, doom. yeah. Uh, like the line begins to blur. Um, yeah. Oh, just yeah. That yeah, I can see that. Fuzzy bass. Much more room to breathe than line begins to blur, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then yeah. there's uh, Atticus brings in these like swooping uh, synth noises and, and fuzzes, and it sounds like wind at some point. Mm-hmm. That kind of never lets up. And then his, his vocals are like, you know, uh, Pretty good, and then when once he gets to the uh, the the chorus, he does these like vocalizations where he's just kind of yelling. Well, that's, that's, yeah, it's that's great. The some things that he, there's a lot of different vocalizations I think on this uh, on the whole trilogy. Yeah, um, and on this song, I think the way he delivers the verses is just like a like a menacing man in the middle of the night type of style, which I like. Yeah, like very menacing. Absolutely, he, he dressed the part when they played it on the show with the stupid glasses and the leather jacket. That's the guy that should be singing this song. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, those howls in the yeah. during the verse are great. Oh, great, and, and when Mary, he's like doing yeah. like pulling the microphone yeah. away from his and, yeah. yeah. And our mm-hmm. queen, Mara Queen, is is on here is in the background singing too. So I mean, I could barely hear her on the yeah. record. I mean, yeah. um, I I think she's kinda, doing some like ooh, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah. like behind him while he's howling. Yep, yeah. But I just this song has just got such a groove, and I love the production value, and I love the huge noisy drums. Um, I don't know. The song, the song gets me and takes me for six minutes. There's a, uh, to tie it. Would you say that I'm not to cut you off, Steven, but would you say because it has such resonance and, uh, with Twin Peaks? I think it helped, but I, but the fact that they play that on there, it was more like, I was happy they chose that song because I was very familiar with ZP when they, when that episode dropped and I was happy they chose this song. But it wasn't the first song though of like, I think Trent Reznor and Atticus were like, here's a song that David Lynch said. He's like, he's like, I need something a little more rocking. More edgier. Yeah. Edgier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Something sexier. Right. And it's sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one part that I pointed out to you guys that. Somewhere in between verse one and the uh, and no, but somewhere in between the chorus and verse two, there's a little uh, a synth sound that goes like "Mono Mono." Oh yeah, it sounds yeah. like it, it would be something buried in the downward spiral. Yeah. it's very the synth the synth tone at that part is very downward spiral era Nine Inch Nails. You'll know you'll know it. Listen for the "Mono Mono." 
You'll know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's one of my favorite parts of the whole little song. Like yeah. when that instrumentation comes in, because you get this like churning sort of like I just pictured an organ grinder just grinding away, and then you get a little bit of something else in there. I not to say I don't like this song. I think it's a great song. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's it's six minutes, um, and. Uh, you know, I like a little rising action, as our yeah, German friend would say. It, it is meandering to an extent. That's right. But also, I excuse the the last half of the outside world. So who am I to say? It's lumbering, is what yeah. this song is. I could just picture it, this beast lumbering through the like the dark woods. It's what they're going for. Yeah. yeah, I think it works. Yeah. Oh yeah, the reptile connections are like I said, it was printed on the lyric sheet. The whole like infection seeds, like insect imagery. That's uh. It also moves about the spread same Spread the pace. infection where you spill your seeds. It kind of yeah. moves at the yeah. same pace that Reptile yeah. does. Yeah. Reptile is yeah. definitely a, a slow, lumbering song. Yeah. This uh, Reptile is this song in a, uh, a steelworks factory. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's some, yeah. There's some whoosh guitars that, that, that travel through this thing. And there's also one part in particular that I love where uh, it's in verse two where the drums lock in with his vocals where he says... Feel, lean back. You'll know what it is when you hear it. The drums lock in with the vocals for a like a pound. It's, uh, yeah. it's great. Just an aside, I have a, a friend I talked to, old friend from Tacoma. He's a gay man. He uh, He's not a Nine Inch Nails fan, but when he watched this episode of Twin Peaks, he's like, A, Trent looks really good. And B, this song is fucking amazing. So like, this song has some like crossover appeal for people. Trent does right. look like a leather daddy in yeah, this. He song. does look like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's, not, that's nothing new. He's wearing fishnets in his arms in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it's it's got some crossover appeal to people that aren't really into Nine Inch Nails as well. But uh, I, I yeah, I like this. Song. Well, that's really, hold on. I'm pretty sure the Nine Inch Nails appeals to many homosexuals. I'm not saying that, especially men. no. I wasn't saying that. I was just saying. I, I just said that my my friend wasn't necessarily a fan of Nine Inch Nails, but he liked. He thought this was a cool song. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Have you seen the Sin video? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was making sure that it wasn't a surprise. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm not like... Yeah, I no, actually, no. I'd say that he probably turned some people and awoken some things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're at the halfway point of this EP. Let's go into the next track, which is The Idea of You.
All right, so that was the idea of you um, that had Dave Grohl on the drums. This is the only uh, song that really does feel like it has real organic drums on it. Um, so, okay, the thing about this song, um, I am I'm very conflicted about it because uh, on a whole, it's it's a it's a good song. I wouldn't say it's a great song, and you guys are probably going to disagree with me. Um, it's that guitar riff that it sounds to me pretty generic. And when I say generic, it sounds like, you know, I've, I, I could probably put on some latter day ministry. Exactly. And it also sounds like it would be used in a really bad, like nineties skate video. Um, I could picture someone doing some really extreme flips and tricks with Skaters don't listen to like this kind of music. They listen to like fucking the Vandals. Well, I mean, okay, maybe I, not I, a skate I video, I, but I, I will know. say a skater gave me uh, a copy of Psalm sixty nine in high school, so I don't know. Okay, so it just it it really just sounds like uh, extreme Doritos Mountain Dew type what type uh, okay type I'm, guitar riff. I can we can talk about. <laughs> but, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna, let, him, I'm gonna let, I'm, let him keep going. Just let it go. Okay. Um, but that's uh, offensive. I mean, you don't like the song for many reasons, <laughs> no, but I do like the do. song. I do like the song. I do like the song because, okay, um, as I listen to it more and more at first, when I listened to it, I was like, man, this sounds like some generic alternative bullshit. Um, but then I gave it more and more, more and more and more and more because there is more going on than just that. Um, you know, I can't just base it off of that little guitar riff cause it's, uh, but the choruses are fantastic. The drum work is fantastic. Um, and uh, it does start to get a little more original um, and dynamic as the song goes on. And one thing that actually, Eric, you pointed out to me, and it was your friend Greg, um, when we were talking about With Teeth with yeah. Dave Grohl. Yeah. Um, I listened to the Yellow uh, Killing Joke record. I was going to make the same connection. And I swear yes. to God, I was just like, this could be a Killing Joke song. Have you listened to that one yet? Oh, <laughs> fuck, dude. That, that album was tailor-made for you. So I know, it's I know really I good. It. It's been on a... I'll try to make a point to do it's, it this it's, weekend. It's really good, but yeah. that's Killing what joke. it reminded me of. And, and as soon as like I unlocked that door, I was like, this song's great. Yeah. Killing uh, Joke has always been one of those bands I know I should be really into, but I never make time for. That, they were that way until I finally did, and now I, now I can never go back. Um, Are you done, Mark? I'm done for now. All right, uh, Eric. Counterpoint. Uh, no, but like, I, I hopefully I don't you get saw the, the journey that I went. Through. I did. I appreciate yeah, your okay. journey. No, I, I, actually, I, I made the same connection as you as far as that Killing Joke album with the Dave Grohl drums. Like, I do like, especially yeah, especially the reminds me of the opening track. The that's whatever. Like, here are different drummers. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It's like the same sort of like kind of. Well, uh, yeah, it's just kind of the spoken word with sure. a little bit of sing-songy choruses. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's doing more of that like overheard poetry kind of thing on this song. Um, the lyrics I do think ties to the the theme. The idea of you is actually the idea of him, mm-hmm. um, where he's talking about like, um, you know, I would never do that. Go back to the idea of me. Um, <sighs> this is not really me acting that way, um, kind of thing. Uh, the the sores are healed. Like that's not me. Think about ignore that man. Think about that man. Like the man behind the curtain, or you know, sure. whatever. Like, sure. and this actually has threads. When he says fabricated reality, this has threads to what he claims 
Once again, that uh, claims Ad Violence is about, which is about like simulated reality. Yeah, the Matrix. Which I that that one I struggled with even more, and we'll get there. But this does have kind of things that where you kind of like create your own fabricated reality, like who he wants to be, and then when he gives into this fantasy, which one's the fantasy, which one's the reality, and go and it, what, what he wants is the people that he loves to remember him for the the better the the the, the better reality as he's giving into this this fantasy. Um, I think the spoken word stuff has some of the best lyrics on the album, um, and then the chorus just gets really rocking. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's not one of my favorites on the album, but I think it goes to some really cool places. And I love, yeah, I love the Dave Grohl drums. It's a, it's a, it's a rocker. I it is, it. especially towards the end where like yeah. things kind of, isn't there a drum solo in this, in this song? I mean, there's a lot of fills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it just yeah. fills. Yeah. Okay. But I, yeah. but I would definitely put this in my top three on the album, but yeah, maybe number three with a bullet. Well, there's only five songs, but yes. Number three with a bullet. Um, and to your point about the augmented reality type stuff, that is a pertinent theme with, like, you know, I think we were talking about that ridiculous Instagram account we all found over the weekend of the guy in those videos. Yeah. <laughs> I showed that to Jen. Yeah, yeah. well, like, <laughs> people, people try to paint a picture of themselves you know as phony. Like, did that go viral? Oh, yeah, no, yes, that, guy, that guy's, like, making money yeah. off it now. Yeah. But I feel like we're part of the problem. Are you serious? Yeah. He is? Yes. So that wasn't a joke? This was, like, no, this guy really, is really, really doing guy. this. Yeah. yeah. Now he's getting mocked, but somehow making money off of it, so he embraces that. Oh, my God. But just, you know, people's grip on reality is tenuous at best these days. Um, Everyone's opinions are their own opinions, but this is one of the top five best Nightingale songs of all time. Wow. Of all time. This sits in the same room with We're In This Together Now, The Day The World Went Away, Last, in another song. Um, I I want to uh, also give. The I appreciate viewers, your 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 um, uh, exuberance. When uh, we did our How to Destroy Angels episode, Stephen also said this album's fucking legit. Hey, I feel listen. like <laughs> no. by the time we get to the final wrap up, uh, the the series finale. No, this one's been on a, This one's been a favorite of mine for a few years now. Is that right? Yeah, that is wild. When I first heard this EP and I kind of dismissed it, this was the song that still I was like, what was that? You know, really, and I've just come. I've come to it over the years. I love that guitar riff. I think it's compressed and it sounds very. I, I think it's not like a machine gun attack, but I don't think it sounds cheesy at all. And uh, that's wild. Yeah, like, that I can see Steve. I can knowing Steve's taste. I can. This and, is very and, much the metal side of me. Well, is, you know, it's clanging. The it's drums banging, are great. Yeah, it's aggressive. Drums. The drums. That's not all. That's that's not what gets it. It's mm-hmm. the like. I like all of that. I like as the, as the driving aggression of it happens. Still, there's a very nine inch nails in single piano strike you while, while you're still at war everywhere else. Yeah, I love that. That's like I love like the song encapsulates so much shit I like about nine inch nails. All that's good. All the the verses are good. It's that last minute, man, with all the crashing drums swirling, and the vocals start swirling, and Trent is in the distance yelling something. Which you can't you can't quite tell what he you know what he what he's saying there. He's uh, I you love know, can, how, you, can you hear? Yeah, I it love gets so the outro. Here. The outro is great. The outro is awesome. When that's all happening though, with all the drumming and him saying it gets so lonely in here, there's uh, some kind of synth that's also very downward spirally to me. Mm-hmm. The, it might be a guitar too that's very messed up. The I, um, burner, burner, like, you know what I'm talking about? It's the 
Meh, it sounds very Egyptian sounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, a during that outro. There's an Egyptian. Yeah. There's some I, kind of electronic Egyptian. Actually, sound. I thought at first it sounded like <laughs> I mean, the closer. I, the, I thought it sounded like the closer motif. The, it uh, kind of does. At yeah, first, yeah. It does. The dun, dun, I can see the top ten, but wow, I yeah. am blown away by top five. No, you know song, what would take it out of even the top ten for me is the is the spoken word verses. I think the spoken word verses in this work great. Wow. The weird the, the weird distortedness of it. Yeah. I like them. This song has literally made me shed a tear before. That last outro, sometimes I'm like, I gotta fucking stop and take a minute. That That's, is uh, wild. It really just, it, it speaks to me profoundly. I mean, I <laughs> wow. yeah, I, clearly I'm not here to rain on your parade. Oh, no, I'm I know you're not. stunned. No, I mean, like, it's just, a good song, but I would never, in in my pantheon, it's just not a great song. I know song. that I'm prone yeah. to hyperbole t- sometimes, but the song literally gives me goosebumps. Wow. Was this the yeah. one you said was on, like, the AV Club's top list of the year or something like that? Did you send it? They did. It? Um, they, they absolutely did. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Uh, looking through. Um, they said that this uh, perfectly encapsulates some of the creepiness of 2016 yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It was on their top of 2016 list. No, when this song gets done after the, all that outro is done and, like, it really builds like crazy. Like, it really, it starts, like, Engulfing you. So I take it this is your favorite song off the record. Oh yeah, hands down. Yeah. Um, which is funny though because the next song is like a cult classic in my book of Nine Nail songs. Yeah. But when this song's done, I just want to like rip off my headphones and be like, I need a minute. It's a no. It's a it's a, it's a fascinating song to me. I love it. That's wild. So. It's a really good song. It's a really good song. And I, I mean, like, it's not like in my top fact, ten, but yeah, it's a good song. The fact yeah, that likewise. this guy's been making music for thirty years releases a song that I think goes in this pantheon that. After thirty years, a, a testament to his craft. And I and I in you know he's at this point in his career he is such a good songwriter and such an interesting musician. With him and Atticus, like what they're making is so interesting. Like there's not a bad song in the bunch, and different things will appeal to different people. And that like. You know, it's not like you're the one guy saying that Big Man with a Gun is your fucking song. By the way, I don't want to meet that guy. If I meet that guy, there's something. Well, sadly, that person number one, exist Big Man with a Gun. Number two. Uh. <laughs> we know the song is just so driving for the entire thing, and then it takes it up a notch when you think it can't even go up another notch, and it just yeah. it, it blows my mind. And all the drum fills. Those drum fills yeah. are awesome. Oh, yeah. Great. yeah, he yeah. never lets up. He never lets up. I'm yeah. wondering why this song has never been played live. Oh, I, no, mean, I think it would be great live. I would think that yeah. they would have would be awesome. Live. I think they could pull it off. Yeah. Easily. Well, yeah. I mean, the, drum, you know, the drummer, I mean, uh, uh, Ian. Illin. He could do it. Ilan. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's nothing that Dave Grohl can do that he can't do. Right. Yeah, um, I think they could do it. Uh, yeah. I think Dave Grohl's actually more meat and potatoes than he is, so I don't see why he couldn't you know, right. pull mm-hmm. this off. They yeah. should add it to the set list. I'm I surprised actually, they didn't on that Cold Black and Infinite tour. I actually had to go check. I thought I heard it live at that uh, Aftershock Festival, but I didn't, no, obviously. Never, I mean, yeah, according to everything else, never been played live. But that's that's something. I mean, clearly, I, I, I don't want to ever say, like, you're wrong for no, 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 loving I, I like a song and having it resonate with you. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's the complete polar opposite. Like, it hits you immediately, and it, for me, it was like kind of like, what the fuck is yeah, this? You were thinking about Mountain Dew and, and Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Because, like, <laughs> at the beginning, it's just, it. I mean, Atticus Ross also, uh, as we talked about in a previous episode, produced some of the corn stuff, and I and I immediately flashed to, yeah. this is like corn, you know, production. <clears throat> and then, like, obviously... It gets nine inch nails. No, that, that hyper uh, compressed guitar riff is 
I could see how you could put it in a skateboard commercial, but I mean, that's, that's not what I think of automatically. But, like, if they used the same maybe guitar tone from last or something like that and with made it sound a little more organic rather than something that could have been easily replicated on a synthesizer, that's where I think that, okay. Well, it's funny, though. That's not what the guitar does the whole song. It's oh, just it does that it. particular riff right. is almost like, it's almost just And that's the beat. what's welcoming you into yeah, the song. A, in yeah, some I like, see. And if that's you know, off-putting to you, I can right. see that. Yeah, but yeah, that's just kind of like a part of the... A, a a kind of part of the background, and then they actually put some more real kind of guitar. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. it it does get layered. It yeah. does start piling yeah. things on, and um, but yeah, that's that's some wild stuff, my so friend. Yes, yeah, so if we do wild a uh, <laughs> that is wild. If, stuff. if we end up compiling a, a <laughs> good a, impression, a top nine, if you will, that'll probably be in there for me. Actually, I was thinking about this. Do you guys want to do a top nine? Should be expected, or do you want to say? A 74-minute set list. Um, I mean, what I would say if uh, either we do a top nine or a top ten songs and then we rank all the albums. All right. From yeah. la- from bottom to top. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So you can look for that in our, in our, final, in our final episode. But you know where the 74 minutes comes from, right? Um, That's how much you can fit on a CD. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But uh, we're in the digital era, my friend. Yeah, I know. I get it, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, your your teletypes and your real reels. Um, You're talking to the guy that rebooted his uh, Netflix physical accounts. Yeah, print is dead. (laughs) So yeah, the idea of you, great song. I love it. I I love it like I I do my dogs. And uh, by the way, speaking of my dogs, has it been really? I, I texted you guys this this morning. It's been really cold, right? Yeah. It's been cold. This is like the coldest winter I remember in a while. Yeah, it's very yeah. cold. It's been cold. And yeah. we moved into a new place to where I don't know how the heat works yet, so I'm like freezing. Oh boy. And so I've been like two dog nights, I've been sleeping with my dogs, and I woke up today and I It was wasn't told, a three dog night? It was I a two dog, third night? dog. Uh and I, and I, 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 I <laughs> You <holding>, find one. <laughs> I have a toddler. Um I was holding my the Boston Terrier in my arms, cradling him. I woke up and like was looking at him and like he was my lover. Uh Anyhow, the idea of you is I love, the, I love the song time. just as much. Yeah. Been in Auburn a long time. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> but the great thing about the idea of you is just as soon as you're exhausted by how public it is, Burning Bright, Fields of Fire is a perfect follow-up. Oh, yeah. So let's hear a little bit of uh, the album or the EP closer, uh, Burning Bright, Field on Fire.
right field on fire. A great closer to the CP. A great song to see them perform live. And uh, a very different song for them, which I love. Uh, the song sounds like it, it has the pace of a Melvin song. Yes. It has, Sludgy. Yeah. It has the vocal delivery of like a Mike Patton being weird or like a Gibby Hayes, Butthole Surfers. Yeah. You know, uh, not exactly speaking, kind of speaking, but like singing into a microphone, carnival barking, if you will, kind of. Sure. You know, especially during the verses. Very, yes. very different for, for Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I, I, I like it. Um, Eric, what do you think about it? This also features Dave Navarro. So on the, the nipple rings or what's he, <laughs> what's he playing? Uh, you can hear it. Like there's just some like background shredding going on. It almost sounds oh, like an is endless, that him? endless solo kind of in the background. Yeah, there's this, there's this shred that comes back yeah. every once yeah. in a while, which I and thought it's never in the forefront. It's not it's Adrian just, blue. Apparently. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. yeah it, 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 it's in between some verses and, and just, it's just, yeah. it's a little shred that just waltzes in. And yeah. Says, and then it goes away yeah. for a while. Um, yeah, this song is big. It's huge. Um, I remember they released it as a what they call a low concept video, which is like black and white, slow motion, like fire in but looks like security camera fire, super pixelated. Maybe not. Maybe that's just where my head went because of the title of the song. But it was just basically a promotional video to play the song. And once again, I still was on the fence about his talking during the verses. But by the time he hits that first chorus, agree. Yep. And he said, like when he gets to, I am forgiven, I am free. I am a field on fire. I was just like, okay, I'm in. I'm in for the ride. I love that delivery. It's it's huge. Um, yeah, we have similar thoughts on this yeah, song because yeah. uh, it's sludgy and, um, you know, again, it was the Carnival Barker doing his little, uh, you know, speaking through a megaphone. And, but the pre-chorus to the to the chorus makes it all worthwhile but then yeah the verses are not my favorite um but i'm i'm able to look past it because it's an interesting song um i really like either the piano or synth uh, that comes in at uh um i think it's at the end of the verses in the pre-chorus yeah break through the surface yeah 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 um I couldn't tell it was Dave Navarro because, I mean, he, I think that I would say that he has a pretty distinctive. Um, uh, I mean, I, we're all Red Hot Chili Peppers fans <laughs> here, and the one only Chili album head, that, yeah, heads, yeah. is one, uh, hot one Hot Minute, you know. That's actually the only one of the album of theirs I ever owned. The Rick Rubin produced one? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, Aeroplane. The sure. one song that was on, it was the opening track because I remember when Dave Navarro, uh, I would, I'm for the record, I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan at all. Yeah. Uh, but. One hot minute. Uh, I remember all of Chili Peppers fans were just losing their minds when, in, in a bad way, when Dave Navarro joined the band. How is that album any worse than any other Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers? I agree. Album? I agree. Um, and of course, Jane's Addiction uh, with uh, you know you know them from the theme song to Entourage. <laughs> and we've already discussed our love of Tahitian Moon on this uh, podcast, which, which is, is not, not Dave Navarro, which <laughs> I realized as soon as I said it is Perry Farrell. <laughs> That's uh, Porno for do? Pyros. Uh, but Stephen Perkins is on Porno, in for, Porno for Pyros, and he was also uh, drumming in uh, I Do Not Want This. Mm. Um, but anyhow, uh, this song, um, I do like some of the verses Burn, Motherfucker, I'm a Field on Fire. Uh, definitely a lot of fire image uh, in this song. 
Um, I guess that's what put the, that's that ash that Eric uh, dumped all over his floor. Yeah. Yep. So um, this is like the maybe when he said what the theme of this album was, he was just talking about this song, and I found connections and other things. But that this song is really that. Um, you know, he's talking about uh, um, basically like giving into the freedom of being destructive. Like you know, nobody judges a fire. <laughs> And if that's who he really is, if that's his true nature, just giving into uh, being, yeah, being an addict, being destructive. Um, and it does have a feeling of catharsis. It has a feeling of, of, of freedom when he lays into those courses. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's effective. And yeah, he speaks exactly. Burn motherfucker, carry the carcass, throw it on, pull up a chair and watch, which actually has some lyrical connections to which hesitation mark song is talk about watching, watching the fire burn. God damn it, which song is that? All Time Low? Well. Yeah, do right your homework. There. Anyways, yeah, never mind. You know, that, that synth line that Mark's talking about is actually during the, uh, uh, one of the Field on Fire part. When he, yeah. When the Field on Fires yeah. fade out, there's, it sounds like something from David Bowie's Low Period is what it kind of sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds great. Um, the breathe part, I think, is just amazing. The, the 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 break through the surface and breathe. Yeah, the way the way it rolls into the distance, it sounds like it's rolling on like like you're breaking through some water yeah. and it's rolling oh, yeah. away. It's a uh, it definitely has a sense of that section of the song has a sense of onomatopoeia where it sounds like what he's saying. Right, I really appreciate right. it. Um, I think it's a great song. Yeah, um, the only thing to make it better is if he's if you found a way to. Sing those verses. But you see, I like the verses like that because no, it's fine. There's it's, no rhyme or reason to yeah, them. There, yeah. There's no like he's not trying to sing with the music. It's it's very different for for, for them. Yeah, and it's yeah. like you said in a text. He's just using it as another instrument. It's not. Yeah, like, it's, it's not it's, supposed it's, to. Be it's the almost scatting. You know. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, supposed to be the forefront. It's like it. You know, it could be just that. Uh, you know, that now is the only thing that's real. <laughs> the way they use yeah, vocal no, samples it, it in old industrial music. Very much reminds me of like mid era ministry where this could be like a scarecrow or something like that. Get up! Get on your feet. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome closer, and it's yeah, and by the time it ends, it's just this shredding rock thing, and and and, and I love it. It's a, it's it's definitely my number two for this album. Um, so uh, I I don't think I have anything more to say about this uh, particular song. I we can talk about our uh, final thoughts, unless you guys want to. Well, one thing else. I didn't realize until I listened to this album for this time that I can't tell if I'm dreaming anymore. That's at the very end of the song. Uh, if you listen for it, you can hear it. I didn't hear it until last night. I don't right. know if you guys. Uh, uh, that's uh, actually yeah. I think I did pick up on that with yeah. headphones, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's got. I feel like that's the one that's connected to uh, How to Destroy Angels. It is because they say I can't tell if I'm dreaming. They don't have the ending more in there. So, anyways, just a lyrical connection to one of their songs. Oh, happens <laughs> on the next album too. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. So overall, really I, trying to make the how to destroy angels happen, aren't you, Trent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really. So I mean, I guess overall, like, I really like the production on this, and this would be their sound moving forward, mm-hmm. um, which I I like that direction. I, th- I I it was a return to some to some noise as for as as opposed to like the sonic cleanse cleansing that was hesitation march, which I also think is very good. But I like that that uh, we could return to a little bit of rock. 
on this and uh, and a little bit of noise. Um, and I think the lyrical content is interesting and impenetrable, but that's okay. Uh, even if I can't make a cohesive fan fiction novel out of it. It's by the way. Did you hear somebody wrote a fan fiction about the characters from the sabotage video by Beastie Boys? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and what name did you use when you wrote that? <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind reading that. Um, I am reading that the Beastie Boys book, though the actual the actual uh, spoke, uh, oral history, and it's a fantastic. That was the second time I mentioned the Beastie Boys this I episode, know. but I meant to mention earlier. Anyways, sorry. The sabot- no, the song "Sabotage" is a perfect song. And that video has amused uh, us generations for yeah. since we were teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> I still get a kick out of that video. Yeah. Oh, the video is fantastic. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, anyways, this is a great return. I I, I like so this rank album. It. Uh, I would so, give this. I would give this uh, seven out of nine inches. Seven out of nine. Stephen. So they're all on the high end. This is an eight. Eight out of nine? Yeah. What gives you, what's your detractors, guys, in order for you to take a point off and you take a two points off? Well, not everything can be perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably just that title track. Title, you mean opening I'm track? I'm sorry, the opening track. Branches and bones. Yeah. And also, you know, yeah, you know, some of it, there, I, I think maybe it could, I think it's supposed to be unpolished, though, so I can't hold its rough edges against it, you know? I, I think that uh, she's gone away. Kind of goes on for too long, but it's nah, doesn't hurt me. You know, I, I sit there and listen to the entire song and I enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I like how they handle the spoken word in the verses, but I think it's too much. I mean, it's more than half the album is spoken word, and I, I know he can do better. It doesn't bother me how they present it because it's not like. Okay, now you're going to listen to spoken word. It's like, like I said before, it's like you're overhearing it. It's kind of just melding into the music, which is the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. That being said, I wonder if you found a way to sing some of these, if it would be, if it would knock it up to an eight for me. That's just my opinion. But you know, I'm just speculating. So I appreciate how varied it is. Mm. It's very yeah. all these EPs are very varied. Yeah, uh, that's true. This one has got a lot of different types of songs just in five songs. I also really like the album title, mm. not the actual events. Mm-hmm. Good title. Yeah. I give it a six out of nine. Um, That's fair. One of the things that, uh, you know, Branches and Bones. What did you give the slip? I can't remember. I actually have a running, I have. I do have some math that I'm going to uh, share with you guys in the last episode. I feel like you should sit somewhere. And, and if you gave the slip a six as well, you should compare the two. Don't I, do it right now. Um, that would be a problem. Oh, when you go back, our math isn't going to work for what we... It's like when you read a review and you're like, this guy really loves this record. Two stars. (laughs) All right. Um, No, this... uh, I... I, uh, Actually, I do enjoy this slip a little bit more um, than this one. Um, This... I think it all comes down to the fact, and uh, I'm going to just simplify it. I can't sing to any one of these... Along to any of these songs besides Dear World. And not even then I can't, you know, because a lot of it is that spoken word. Um... And not to say that uh, that's how I benchmark good albums, but no. I think that's what I benchmark great songs um, that are memorable, that stick with you, that are melodies that you just are going to live and die with. Like as soon as it comes on, you hadn't heard it for yeah. five years, you know every single lyric on that. But this isn't this this EP is not designed that way. No, no I don't it's think any of these EPs are. Uh, no, not at all. And I, that's actually I think Nine Nails right now. 
I don't know. If to a certain extent, the song "Less Than" um, mm-hmm. could absolutely. Oh well, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Right. Here's yes. what I here's what I say is I I think I see what you're saying, and, I, and it adds to if there is a frustrating moment on this, it is because every one of these songs actually does have catchy parts to the vocals. Yes, like, they do. They all have hooks. Yes, that, they do. That absolutely work, and then on. on all but two of them, mm-hmm. he speaks his way until he hits those moments and then sings. And when really you could have a melody the, the whole time, but that's yeah. not the intention of this. I think, yeah, I think yeah. part of this right now is a guy that doesn't have to please any kind of corporate masters yeah. or even, I mean, what is radio airplay? His fa- he's preaching to his bass all the time, though. He just, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. He, he was going through a beatnik phase. Well, no, also, yeah, I don't, I, I think the desire to do verse, chorus, verse really isn't there anymore. At least not right now. Right. Yeah, and, and that's what I was saying. Like, I don't think this uh, EP or the EPs are really designed in that sense of, you know, having something that's, you know, catchy all the time. I mean, our last episode where we did talk about uh, a full-length album, there's so many songs on Hesitation Marks that are just stone-cold classics. I mean, uh, I was listening to a little bit of that. My daughter, who's six, wanted to listen to Copy of a On the Way to School today. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can, that's a moment. I, I can guarantee that uh, as she gets older, this this is a challenging, as you know, Trent and Atticus were saying, this is a challenging, impenetrable uh, EP. It's not meant to be accessible. It's meant to be something that you have to work with. Yeah, I guess but, I've warned you about it. Right. I mean, it's not exactly Mersbau, but... Uh, that's right. I, I mean... mean it, it's, but it, it's... Yeah, these are not normal structured songs. They're not... Some are just like not even two minutes long. And I'm basing it off of the entire works. I mean, I think uh, it's, you know, like John Zorn, you know, is also a challenging artist. Uh, But if I was to look at all of John Zorn's discography, there are some elements of it. I'm not a fan of John Zorn. I'll just put that out there. As we were talking about Mike Patton, I guess we can just use Mike Patton instead. Um, I'm not a fan of all of his, you know, adult themes for voice and all of his other, you know, stuff that veers into more score work. Um, But... Uh yeah, six out of nine. Six out of nine. I was in New York once and I saw John Zorn, and I definitely would just to say I saw John Zorn, but I did not enjoy it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do enjoy this one immensely, um, but I don't think that if I was to, it wouldn't be in my top five. Of uh, it is not in my top five. Um, oh yeah, you will see it in my top five. It's got a song that I think is all timer, but you know. Yeah. Right. There's some great moments on this, and I love. The production value, and even though it's varied, the production value and the return to like, like I said before, I really do feel like they're folding in what they learned from their score work into their songwriting, mm-hmm. and I, it gives it a sound that Nine Inch has never had before, which is like the swoops and those those new instruments that they were collecting for all their score work. I think show up in in uh, in like they like we'll talk about it the next episode. One of the instruments they use all over Gone Girl is like is is on that song with Lovers. Anyways. I, they, they're taking a lot where they learned of score work and they're putting it into their songwriting as Nine Inch Nails and it sounds like it's never sounded before and, it, and they'll stick with that pastiche for the for the EPs even though it's varied. Yeah. Well, that should about do us. Um, any closing thoughts or you guys feel good about it? No, nah, no, this, this EP grew on me and uh, it's easy to dismiss if you don't pay attention to it but if you give it the time of day and focus on it, you'll find a lot to love there. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, definitely. This is a band that just does what they want to do now. And as much as I hope that the next thing they do is just put out like maybe one more proper album. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe they'll put out, you know, two 
Two, two MP3s a month for three years is what they, they do. You know? I don't know. All right. Yeah, either they way. They go to yeah. a SoundCloud. They yeah. become a SoundCloud rap artist. But it's a new era for them, and um, I was very excited to hear this new sound, even though it's spots and things that they've done before kind of folded together. And I was and uh, I love their kind of new unbridled approach. I do have to say as a, approach. Is a, is a dad... I appreciate somebody giving me five songs to listen to because that's all I have time for sometimes. <laughs> right. You know? I was able to listen to the CP uh, after doing the dishes, cleaning the house before you guys came over. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's nice yeah. and brisk. Yeah. Um, but that should wrap it up. Uh, thanks for spending an hour and 50 minutes with us as we talked about a 21-minute EP. Um, we do appreciate all of your feedback and your listenership and your engagement on all of our social medias. Uh, you know where to find us, Pod Like a Hole on Facebook, Pod Like a Hole on Instagram. We do not follow, do Snapchat because we're old men. We do not understand that platform. I believe if you're our age and you get a Snapchat, you automatically get like a Megan's Law. Like it's on your you're on a list. You. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and, uh, so yeah, hit us up with your feedback. Uh, next episode, we are going into the next EP, which is Ad violence. So join us next, hopefully week, uh, because it'll uh, be a week. We're going to do it. We're trying to crank these out. Um, so thanks again. And we hope we brought you closer to pod. There it is. Thank you.